I do hope and pray that it is a blessing to you and helps you uh, in the upcoming week, upcoming days, and upcoming months, if you will. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open up there. And uh, just for our reading here tonight, we're going to read Mark chapter 11, uh, verses uh, 12 through 14. Uh, we will be looking at verses 20 through 22. So I do have those on there, so we'll continue on uh, here tonight. Mark 11 and verse uh, 12, the Bible says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, and he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, speaking of the tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now verse 20 tells us this, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21, And Peter calling to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth is withered away. And Jesus answered and saith unto them, have faith in God. Let us pray tonight. Father, again, we ask you to bless tonight's sermon. Bless to our hearts and our minds. Open up our hearts tonight, dear God. I pray that you have free course, free reign uh, within each and every one of us this evening. But Lord, I do pray. Uh, my heart's desire tonight that if you will help someone, help anyone, help anyone that may be within earshot of this message, whether it be with us here tonight, whether it be at a later date, different venue, whatever it may be, uh, dear God, I ask you to please touch people and help them, Father, in a way that they need it the most, Lord. And we will this name we ask. Amen and amen. So guys, as we're going to get into our message tonight, and we look here at Mark chapter 11, and uh, we're going to kind of touch on Mark 11 a little bit more in a little bit of a different way this evening. There's some some truths here that I would like you guys to see uh, from this chapter. It's a very unique chapter. Uh, it has a lot of typology to it. It has a lot of pictures. There, there are several different things that you'll see within the scripture, but we're going to apply it to us this evening and how you and I can have benefit in our life from what the Lord Jesus Christ has performed. Now, here's what I want to bring to the table just on the forefront. Many of us guys today, right here, right now, we have trying days. We have testing days. We have days that are seemingly long. They seem like, I mean, good night. I understand it's hot as blue blazes out there right now. And, and you know, it just seems like it's just a constant heat. On top of all that, with our weather being hot, and I'm not going to complain because we complain when it's hot. We complain when it's cold. We complain when it's dry. We complain when it's wet. You know, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that we get 270 days of rain here in this country. And now we're on the hosepipe band. Where did the water go? You know, we got plenty. Plenty of water. I don't understand that. Uh, but anyway, what, what I want to say, guys, we all have days that are trying. They are te- there are days where, where the envelope is just pushed, the pressure is down upon us, and what we need is grace under pressure. And I understand that because the issues and the pressure of life seem to mount up at many times as the days go by. The timelines come in, the, the business schedules, the, uh, the, the, the demands of the day, the demands of the family, the demands of the home, the demands of, of finances, all of these things. They just seem to kind of build upon one another. So this fig tree here, this, this fig tree that we see in Mark chapter 11, it's, it's not only a picture of the nation of Israel in typology. Now, that's not what the message is about tonight. Uh, I have preached around the fig tree and, and uh, the prophetical teaching of it and how it links to 1948 and this and that. And, and we're not going into that here this evening. That's some deep teaching, something that I love and love and love, but it's not for us right here, right now. In the days of Christ, this fig tree, not only was it a, a typological symbol of the nation of Israel, but my friend, it was a source of nutrition. It was a source of finances for many people. It had multiple, multiple uses. 
I mean, when you when you look at the verses that we read, the lush foliage, if you will, on this particular tree was, was promising. When the Lord looked afar off and he sees this tree, he saw it as a healthy tree. But there it was on the Mount of Olives in the, in the biblical uh, times. Uh, this was a famous for fig trees. The Mount of Olives, the, where the Olivet Discourse was given, where the, the Lord Jesus on the second coming and his second advent will plant his foot there. He arose and ascended on high uh, from that location. And so we know that this location is a very famous place when it comes to the fig tree. And, and with fig trees, guys, the fruit always appears. Listen carefully to this point. It appears before the leaves do. So stick with me now and, and think about what the Savior is saying. You see, the Lord had every right under the sun to expect fruit to be present on that tree. Because it's flowing back and forth. Those leaves are just fluttering in the wind. And even though it was early for the season for figs to, be, to appear, the leaves were already there. And with a fig tree, again, like I say, the figs always appear before the leaves do. The normal summer crop, I understand, were not gathered until May or June. However, because of uh, uh, the Olivet, that area there, the sunny ravines, the fig trees uh, could have had ripe fruit on them several weeks earlier, even a month or so earlier. And therefore, there's nothing odd, there's nothing strange for the Lord's anticipation of fruit on that tree in the month of April. It was expected. Again, I go back for the third time. Leaves were present. Fig should have been on there a lot earlier than that. So Peter recalls the Lord's statement of verse 14. It's recorded in verse 21 when Jesus Christ said that, that no man, no man eat fruit of thee thereafter. So they're coming back by the next day. Peter says, you know what? You, you know, you, you cursed this thing yesterday. I remember you said that. Now the thing's all withered up and dead. And this tree at one time it had possessed foliage, it had greenery, it was, it was lively, it was robust, and and yet when they, when, they, when they came to it, there was no fruit found. There was no fruit present. The tree, guys, beautiful in sight, moving and growing, yet had no fruit. It looked like it played the part. But at the end of the day, that's all it was doing. It was a play actor. It had all of the leaves, but there was no fruit that it bore. What an example to us tonight. What an example that we can take in our life and we can apply to make sure we don't become like this tree, maybe looking the part, maybe fitting the bill, maybe looking like we got all things together, maybe looking like, hey, you know what, we're, we're going through, there's no pressures, no problems, we're coming through like a shining duck, we're doing okay and yet have no fruit in our life. You see, my friend, here's what I want you to get a hold of this evening. If you don't get anything else out of this message, then I want you to get a hold of this next, this next statement. Something alive should be producing fruit. If something is alive and living, it should produce something else that is alive and living. Because if you're not growing, my friend, you're dying. As Peter brought attention to the Lord's curse upon the fig tree, Jesus Christ had this unique, this almost out of, what we would say out of left field. That may not... I mean, I translate over here, left field is a baseball term, uh, rounders maybe, I don't know, just out of nowhere, let's just put it that way. He said, have faith in God. Peter's brought it, drawing attention, saying, Lord, this is the tree you cursed, the tree's dead now, what you said happened, and the Lord said, have faith in God. And I, can, I just, in my mind, in my heart's mind, I think about Peter making this statement, and, it's, and, I, and I, I just see Peter going, huh? 
you know, just just kind of perplexed. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean? Have faith in God. You see, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, guys, I could preach seven hours on half of that verse right there, Hebrews 11, 6, and that is only half the verse. Uh, that, that verse right there has more power in it. Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith. It, is, it opens up with the description, verse 1, the description of what faith is. It, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But something that is a substance is something that is tangible, something that you can grab a hold of, something that you can put your hands on. So the faith that you have, guys, is not a blind faith. It's faith in the Word of God that we understand its purity, its preservation, its perfection, and we have the faith right here in a literal oppression word of God and that faith my friend is what pleases the Lord that verse right there is what rules out any mildew mildew stain you see on the wall that well the Lord spoke to me and I saw the mildew stain on the wall because I saw Jesus in in a waffle or a pancake or I saw we hear the stories about it all the time the minute something like that happens guys you know where your faith is your face out the window okay it's it's this simple tonight I can sit here and I can have faith that Hannah's coming tonight, all right? And even greater faith that Hannah and Cooper. And then greater faith that, you know, that everybody else shows up. Guess what happens? When you come through the door, how much faith do I need now? Zero. So if it's impossible for me to please my Lord and Savior outside of faith, there is no unsightly visions, mildew things. We have a word right here, a word of God that is perfect and pure, that we can place our faith in our trust, not tradition, not man's way, not a creed, not a counsel, none of that rubbish, but right here in this precious word. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying. Peter's like, look at the tree, man. He said, have faith in God. But, but, but you said, have faith in God. But you cursed it, have faith. Peter, be quiet. Have faith in God. You see, just have faith. What is he trying to tell him? I mean, Jesus Christ for three and a half years, he's just a day or two away right now from being crucified. Okay? For three and a half years, man. Peter has seen him feed the 5,000, which we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. is actually twenty to 25,000 because the 5,000 was only the men. The Bible said, and women and children also, but they counted only the men. So just, I mean, my goodness. He saw him feed the 4,000. He saw him call down the, call, calm the seas. Peter has seen him, uh, what else did he do? My goodness, paralytic walk, dead rays, uh, the, the dumb speak. All of these things he saw him do, and now he's going, hey, man, look at the tree. And Peter is just like, God, just like, you know, the Lord, have faith in God. It's that simple tonight. You say, preacher, hang on, how can it be that simple? It is that simple. This tree was dead from the roots upward. Cursed because of barrenness, nothing less. That was why Jesus Christ cursed that tree. That's why he had that tree and said, nobody's any of you forever. Why? Because it was a barren, fruitless tree. And its fruitless life was a result of death. This disciple witnessed a tragedy. And it brought, he brought note to it. Many times in the world that we live in, we experience these things, these days, these moments of dryness. And we look around at things occurring in the world and, and, and they cause us to fear. And, and some of us will fall by the wayside because we get caught up with the things of the day and, and things of our life come upon us and which brings unsettled uh, emotions in our life. And it causes our mind to wonder. And, and we begin to drift over here and how things used to be and what things could be and what things aren't. And we get caught up in all of these things. And all we're doing right now is we're becoming a fruitless fig tree. And a fruitless and barren fig tree, guys. Jesus Christ cursed. So the Lord's answer to Peter in this manner, have faith in God, 
holds a lot of weight, my friend. You see, it's during these times when we're focusing on the deadness, when we're focused on these things, when we're drawn away, that's when we, ha- we need to have faith in God. Better yet, we need faith in God. I, I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what issues you may or may not have in your life. I don't know what unsettling struggles that you may be dealing with here this evening. Uh, but I can assure you tonight, you can have faith in God in a way that would pass all understanding. They will give you the peace, the Bible says, of passing all understanding. What does that mean? It means that when the bottom falls out and every friend forsakes you, when the finances aren't there, the pain is there, the struggle's there, the heat's there, when everything is just coming down upon you, there's still some level of a peace there. And you know what? It passeth all understanding. You just can't explain it. I can't explain it. And that's why it passes all understanding, my friend. Do you know when, when what the Lord is saying about this fig tree? We need to have faith in God during storms. During storms. My wife looks up the... Uh, the um, what do you call it? The weather thing yesterday, or and said we're going to have thunderstorms on Monday. Now I laugh at that because I've yet to see a thunderstorm that I'm impressed with. We don't have, we may get a little sprinkles and a flash here or there. I love thunderstorms. My wife hates them. Uh, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights that we spent in Tennessee with the blueness of the teleon because she wouldn't, you know, because the tornado was coming. I'm like, dude, look, man. If we're going to go, if I'm going to go in a tornado, let me go sleeping, okay? And, uh, you know, nope, she had to have the weather channel on, but it's going to hit us. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. But anyway, she, she doesn't like this. I love the storms. I love those storms. But the storms of life, nobody likes. You know, it's when the storms of life kick into our, into our days, my friend, that's when we need to have faith in God. Not your ability, your education, your strength, your finances, your friends, even your family. Your faith must be in God. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 37 says, In the same day uh, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over the other side. And, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took, uh, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there uh, were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of the wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now, draw that picture right there. The Lord said, let's get into this boat. We're going to go to the other side. And a big old storm just rolled in. And it was the storm was so bad, now you have the water on the inside of the boat. But can I say this to you tonight? Storms are outward obstacles which come into our life. These are issues of our life uh, from without that roll in. And they wreak havoc in our days. They wreak, they wreak havoc in our, our weeks, our months, and sometimes even our years. And, 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 and they're, they're seasonal. Many of them are seasonal in our life. The storms come into our life. And some even come, come in on schedule as a forecast would seem. But they're the struggles that we're going to deal with. They're the storms that we're going to deal with. I mean, they come from outside. They don't come from inside. They're not coming from inside here. They come from outside. Now, what should we do? Panic and run? Let the cortisol kick in? Fight or fight? Paul said this. Paul said that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourself. No, watch this, that we are appointed thereunto. You know the storms come in for a reason. I can't explain it. You can't explain it. But they come in for a reason, guys, and they are appointed to come into our life. 
These storms, do you know what the Lord wants you to do in the storms? Does He want you to have the three-point plan to fix the storm? No. Does He want you to have the seven steps to joy, to, to, to overlook the storm? Does He want you to have the power of positive thinking? No, He does not. He just wants you to have faith in Him. He wants, to try, he wants you to trust Him in the midst of the storm. And I know, hey, listen, I know, I understand. Buddy, we want, we want out of the storm. I mean, we want out of the storm. The disciples there upon the Sea of Galilee, and it was a faith in Jesus Christ uh, who rebuked the disciples. It was faith that, that Jesus Christ rebuked the disciples about. It wasn't force. It wasn't fortitude. It wasn't even fuel. It wasn't the amount of, of energy that they were, uh, they were exerting to try to correct the ship and ride it up. It was simple faith, man. I mean, they were passionate as, that, as they could be, but their faith was equally weak. And Jesus Christ rebuked them of it. Verse 38 through 40 says in our same ver chapter, it says, And he was in the hinder part of the ship. Watch this. He is asleep on a pillow. Let me pop that up there. I love that. I hate to laugh, guys, because that's not, not comical. The storm's coming in. The water's raging. The disciples are at, they're going batty. And he's back on a pillow sleeping, taking a nap. And he says, And they awake him. They send him, Master, care us not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? These are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the ones who walked with him, ministered with him for three and a half years. And multiple times he rebuked them, not for having just you know weak faith, but little faith and no faith. You see, my friend, in the storms of life, the Lord wants us to have faith in God. He wants us to have faith in Him for our direction, our guidance, our leading, our protection, and sometimes even having faith in Him for His hindrance in our life. Yeah. It may not add up in your mind, but there are times that the Lord will hinder us. He'll slow us down, or He'll, com he'll completely remove us from a situation simply for our protection. Sometimes we look at something that may be a failure. Or a letdown. Or we didn't get that house or that car or that family or that business or that friend. And you look at that. And sometimes, if not most of the times, if you're trusting the Lord, He's just sitting back going, i got something else planned for you. It may sting a little bit. But the reality is, God knows what He's doing. So we're going to have faith during the storms. Can I say this to you tonight? Uh, we got to have faith during the struggles, guys. If we were to go through the room here this evening and say, hey, how many people have struggles in their life? Everybody in here would raise their hand. Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, care is the same type of word that we have as worry, anxiety, anxiousness, you know, our struggles. I don't know what I'm going to do about X, Y, Z. Well, then don't worry about it, okay? I'm not saying don't work for it. But I'm saying put your faith in someone who control it, who knows the end of the story. Yeah, you've got to put legs underneath the prayers. You've got to get up. You've got to do something. I'm not saying that you don't. But I am saying this. In the midst of struggles, we need to have faith in God. So storms are from the outward. Storms come on the outward. Struggles, my friend, they're inward obstacles rising from our own heart and our own mind. They do so sometimes, guys, on a daily basis, be it desires, be it debates, defilement, whatever it is. But it comes from our own inside, our own heart, our own emotions, our own mind. 
Again, if I was to ask the question, how many people in here have had a sleepless night or two or three or four or ten, a sleepless night over something that never happened? You know, 99%, sorry, 95% of what we worry about, according to a study in the University of Michigan, 95% of what we worry about never happens. Of the 5% of things that do happen, Half of those things that were going to happen anyway, and there was nothing that you could do about it. So why worry about it? Struggles are from within. We create the monster from within. Genesis chapter 25 gives us a great example, verses 21 through the first part of 28. It says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him. Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Watch verse 22. And the children struggled together within her. These struggles, guys are from those two children wrestling together. And in our life, I understand that's a physical struggle. We understand she's carrying twins, and they're wrestling back and forth with one another. And we know the end of that story. We know who was produced and, and what happened to them. And you know, the, the younger came out first with his arm and got the little string tied on him and all this and that. However, we have inward struggles in our life. And what it is, it's the old man wrestling with the new man. My pastor told me this, the man that I was saved under, Dr. Jim Ellis, a gun-toting, Bible-believing man of faith. He said, it's like having two dogs inside you, one good, one bad. And he said, do you know which one's going to win? He says, the one you say, sick them, boy. Another way, another word for that, the one you feed. A person that is saved and born again, the old man does not go away. We are told to crucify the old man with his deeds. We are told to put off the old man. We are, to, we are told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision with the flesh or fill the lust thereof, Romans 13, 14. We're told to do those things. There's things we have to do. But that inward struggle, guys, comes from within. And it's that old man rearing up his ugly head against that new man. And whichever one we feed is going to be the one. That when Solomon said this, the wisest man who ever lived, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of our life today come from within our heart. Those struggles that we deal with in our life, we need to have faith in God. The old nature dealing with the new nature. The good dog wrestling with the bad. So how did Rebecca respond? When those two boys are wrestling inside of her? Well, the rest of verse 22... Make sure that's on there good. She said, and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And, and she went to inquire of the Lord. You know what she did? She asked God. She went to, she sought the Lord in the midst of her struggles. You know, she, she had faith in God because that's where the answer is going to come from. One of my favorite verses, we don't have time to look it up right now, was when David was in the middle of outward and inward struggles. He had the storms and the struggles going on in his life. Everything seemed like it was coming about, coming just coming upon him. And the Bible said that he took the ephod, okay? He took the ephod, which is that breastplate with the 12 stones on it that was meant for the priesthood. He took the ephod, and the Bible says he went and he sought after God, and the Bible says that he went and encouraged himself. Sometimes we look for people to do so much for us. And we want to be encouraged by others. And sometimes, guys, we just got to have faith in God and do what He's told us to do and encourage ourselves, my friend. So we see that the storms of life, that's the outward, that's the outward um, obstacles arise in our life. The struggles in our life, the inward obstacles. But finally, what the Lord wants us to have, when He wants us to have faith in Him, 
He wants us to have faith in God in the midst of our sacrifices. Can I ask you, what do you think it's going to cost to serve tonight? Can you serve the Lord without a sacrifice? Well, not according to the law first mentioned. Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, tells us that And Abraham said unto the, the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. You know the, the story. I've told you guys this story before. But Genesis 22 was where uh, Abraham and Isaac, that was his only son, his only begotten son that the Lord recognized. Uh, they were. He was commanded to go to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is exactly where Jerusalem is. That's exactly where Jesus Christ was crucified. He was told to go and sacrifice his son there. When you read uh, verse 5 right there on the screen, he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Isaac was had, I'm sorry, Abraham had enough faith to know that if he sacrificed his son as commanded by God, that God himself would raise him from the dead. He says, we're coming back. That's the first time worship shows up in the Bible. And according to the law first mentioned, it establishes the definition of what worship is. What is worship? Worship is associated with sacrifice. You said, preacher, I thought singing was worship. Singing is not worship. It's the preparation thereof. Preparing your hearts for worship and the spirit and truth. So what will it cost you to have faith in God? Let me turn the question. What will it cost you to not have faith in God? Cost you a job? Home? Children? Rewards? Peace? Life? What will it cost you to not have faith in God tonight? What is so precious in your life this evening? What is so precious on this earth that you're not willing to give up for the Lord? To have that faith in the midst of storms. To have that faith in the midst of struggles. Is it your comfort? You know, we, we talk about, you know, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. But man, we get so comfortable in our life, we get on crew, it's like a hamster wheel. We get on that hamster wheel and we're just running. And it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's the same thing over. And we get in such of this routine. And we're used to that routine. Guys, listen. It's pot calling the kettle black, man. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't like getting thrown off my schedule. My schedule is seven days a week. It is lock, stock, and barrel. I'm running like a bull in a china shop nine times out of ten. I understand it. And I don't like And when I get something stuck in my mind, I can't get it out. i got to finish it. That's the way my head works. But I also have to be able to pull back and go, you know what? It's got to cost me something. Sometimes I've got to be uncomfortable if I'm going to have faith in my God tonight. It's going to cost. What about friends? Is there any friends in your life tonight that you're not willing to, uh, to walk away if they're, if they're dragging you down, if they're holding you back from having the faith in God that you need? What money, ego, a class, family, memories, effort. What is, what is in your life tonight? That you will look God in the face and say, nope, that's untouchable. That's untouchable. There's a cost. To worship the Lord in spirit and truth, there's a cost. It's going to cost you to stand. It's going to cost you to have to sacrifice. If you want to have faith in God in the midst of the storms and in the midst of the struggles in your life, it's going to come with a sacrifice. And if you're not willing to pay that price, I'm telling you, those storms and struggles will be ten times worse than you could ever imagine. There is a sacrifice. What would you be willing to give up for the one who gave all? David said this. David said, I'll offer, I offer uh, burnt offerings unto the Lord, my God, of that which cost me nothing. He will not. I left part of that verse out. But he refused to offer a burnt sacrifice unto God 
that didn't cost him something. So no matter how great or small, guys, in all of our sacrifice unto the Lord, we must have faith in God. Now think about the Lord here as we bring back, bring this thing to a close and bring it back to Mark 11. The Lord knew where they were going. He knew what was going to happen that week. He knew his life was coming to an end on this earth. He knew that he was getting ready to pay the most gruesome death and torture than any man had ever faced on the planet. He knew that in order for the sacrifice of mankind to be paid for, that he and the Father, for the only time in all of eternity, had to be separate one from another. And it happened for a three-hour span when the cup of God's wrath was poured upon him. He knew that. He didn't back down from it. He didn't weasel out of it. But he took a moment to look at a tree that by all appearances had all the right stuff. I mean, it, it had the leaves flowing. It was a beautiful, beautiful tree to look at. But it was barren. It was fruitless. So even though it had all the appearances of life on the inside, it was dead as a doornhouse. My friend, I ask you this question tonight. You may be walking, talking, breathing, heart beating. You may have the life of what the life of Riley. And I don't even know what that means, but I know what it's supposed to mean. But you may have the life that people look at and go, man, if I could just be like him, if I could just be like, boy, I tell you what, they got everything going on. But you got to ask your, yourself this question tonight. Do you have fruit in your life? Is your life just a mirage? Do you have all the flow and foliage, the greenery? I mean, all the leaves, but you bear no fruit tonight. If you're going to bear fruit, it's going to come only in the midst of having faith in God. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for the, the opportunity this evening. I thank you for the night. I ask that you would do something with this message, Father, in a way that only you can do. Lord, we just surrender every soul that will take on the word tonight and apply it into their hearts. My hope, my prayer, my, my desire tonight that an eternal change would happen. Someone's heart, someone's life, be it online, be it here tonight, be it uh, ten weeks down the road, Father. I ask of you to please move mightily upon that soul this evening that is in the greatest need of a touch from God. Lord, I love you. I thank you for having mercy in my life. I thank you, dear God, for being long-suffering with me. I ask your forgiveness of every way that I fail you. And I just pray that you bless your people tonight. We ask these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I do hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God was a blessing to you tonight. We're going to close with our final hymn this evening. And, uh,